Welcome to the Charging Buffalo podcast. I am your host, DJ Mitchell, doing my first ever podcast with the Charging Buffalo. We have a bonus episode for you. The Sabres on a little bit of a slump. Uh, they have three home games coming up, so we thought maybe record one. We'll get one out on a Saturday, a little bit different, before the Flyers game. If you're traveling down uh, for the next three games, you get a good listen. We have Ryan Stimson here, one of my favorite writers from The Athletic. He does a number of other things, including Sabermetrics podcast. Um, he's going to be added to my Mount Rushmore of interviewees with you know, the likes of down goes Brown, but of course who wants a Leafs fan? We want a Sabres fan. So Ryan, how's it going tonight? Um, just wanted to get to, like open the floor to you to talk about Sabermetrics podcast. If people haven't heard of it yet, it's fantastic. So we'll start with that and then you can talk about the athletic a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Thanks DJ. I appreciate it. First, you know, thanks for having me on, uh, you know, you guys do a good job with your, your podcast here. And, uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to come on. Um, so, so yeah, I guess, you know, first thing I'll talk about is my podcast. Sure. Why not? Um, <laughs> the uh, Sabermetrics podcast, podcast, it's something I just started uh, in the August. Uh, I thought it would be nice to have something, uh, you know, while I'm writing for The Athletic and, and doing a lot of work and, and dives into the Sabres this year. Uh, it'd be nice to have something to just kind of have an outlet to talk about certain things that, you know, maybe aren't like article length worthy or um you know, things you really can't dive into, just kind of do some quick hits on different things uh, for for readers and for people, you know, that follow me on Twitter and just have questions on certain things. Uh, and also it would be cool to uh, bring a lot of, you know, other uh, established or up and coming, you know, analysts um, that do a lot of interesting work either on other teams or, or just on like general applications to the sport. In um, that way, it can kind of introduce some of them to to Sabres fans who maybe you know aren't maybe as familiar with the analytics community or different work that's been out there. So it's kind of an interesting way to to you know help those people get a bigger audience as well, or just bring that information to to a lot of Sabres fans. Yeah, definitely. And I what I like about it the most is that it brings a really objective opinion. I mean, the last podcast was were they both Wild fans? The two guys you had on last, Josh and Luke. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are very very deep Wild fans. So I mean. You know, we got some former Sabres that were there. Uh, Palmenville, obviously, back. Scandella, former player. So it's nice to hear their opinion on those guys because they've looked into them a lot. And then also just hearing uh, Minnesota Wild fans talk about the Sabres. I know sometimes I'll read all the Buffalo media and we can get really, you know, nearsighted, uh, I would say. And it's nice to hear that objective opinion. So definitely, definitely check it out. It's 100% worth a listen. Um, and then The Athletic, you write on there, which obviously is – a big deal because it's probably my favorite website right now. And everyone, if you haven't subscribed, I, I don't know where you've been. Um, so talk about what you write about there. Um, that maybe a little bit about the team in general. Yeah. So I uh, started there, you know, when we launched in June, uh, right, uh, right before, or right after the draft, uh, I was right around that time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, my, I guess my purview there is to, you know, kind of take an analytic approach to evaluating the team from, you know, like roster construction, uh, you know, game strategy, just player evaluation to kind of complement, you know, a lot of the really good thorough work that, you know, John Vogel and Joe Yurden do, you know, covering the team on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, really kind of just take a lot of my interests, you know, from writing about Hockey Linux for a couple of years and, you know, just really just doing deep dives into the Sabres and, you know, what we can do to kind of provide, you know, maybe something that had been missing in uh, a lot of Buffalo sports coverage. Uh, you know, one of the, when the site launched, you know, I had a lot of people, you know, reach out to me and, and say that they were, you know, really happy that this was, uh, they were going to have like, you know, dedicated, 
Buffalo Sabres analytics coverage um, because, you know, for a great many years, you know, ever since like the tank year, you know, the team has kind of been, you know, not like a, the butt of a joke, but kind of an afterthought from the analytics community at large because they just have happened to be so bad during this time when analytics have become overly popular. Um, so now that, you know, the good time seems to be here a little bit, uh, there's a lot more interesting things we can do from both a positive spin on things as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, your most recent piece is, is something that I really wanted to talk about before you even published it. So we can get right into it right here. The entire piece, oh, I want to pull up the title. Um, I had it up. It was all about the power play. Uh, it's what we've learned from the Sabres youth usage of Jack Eichel on the power play this season. Posted one hour before we recorded. I quickly read the whole thing. It was fantastic. A lot of Sabres fans, I mean, I'm in the arena, I'm on the blog, we hear a ton about the power play struggles. And it feel I feel like it does feel a bit worse to us than it actually has been, which you highlighted very well. Um, why don't we start with just Jack Eichel in general on the power play? Your thoughts on just him in general, because you have a lot of information here and a lot of stuff that I honestly didn't consider. Um, so what do you what do you think about Jack Eichel right now? I think the one line that I really want to point out is Jack Eichel, well, you Eichel has only a single high danger chance on the power play this season. So what's going on there? Yeah. And it's important to, you know, when we consider evaluation of players uh, on power plays or on penalty kills, it's, it's, it's very, very different from how we evaluate them during five on five play, because, you know, the power play, it's, it's almost like a different game entirely because everything is so structured and there's set plays and set breakouts and, you know, set movements in the offensive zone. Uh, and it's very much, you know, one team tries to score, the other simply tries to hang on, right? So, um, and, and I bring that up because how you evaluate players like, oh, well, this player doesn't get a lot of shots on the power player. I'd never noticed this player with the puck. It's because that could simply be their role as like the third or fourth or even fifth option on the power play, right? So if a lot has to go right for that player to even become involved to, you know, the, when you're watching it. But, and now the Sabres power play, uh, you know, assistant coach uh, Davis Payne runs it. Um, he, you know, they've kind of decided that, you know, it's going to go through Eichel, you know, who typically sets up on the left side of the power play and, you know, tries to essentially be a one-time option similar to other big right-handed shots like Ovechkin, like Stamkos, some of those guys. And it's it's all well and good when that, when that works. Um, but, you know, the trouble with that is the way they set up their power play He's uh, kind of taking a lot of those shots from a little farther out than some of those guys normally do. Um, and that's down to how the Sabres set up. The Sabres typically set up and uh, they usually kind of go between two formations on the power play. The first is like a high-low umbrella setup where you have, uh, you know, a player at the net, a player in the high slot, uh, you know, player at the point, And then typically what's usually Eichel or like a, a Poso or middle stat on the other side. Uh, you know, up above at the top of the faceoff circles, right? And so, typically, what's the, that's what they'll rotate into out of a faceoff win. Um, it, it's you know, there's nothing wrong inherently good or bad about a formation. It's just how you execute, and they do get some decent looks off of it. The trouble is, Eichel, you know, he, he's definitely you know has that shoot shoot first mentality on the power play, um, and a lot of times his shot selection isn't probably the best choice one could make on the power play. Um, when they, you know, kind of tend to rotate into a one-three-one, he's lo- he's closer to the net. Uh, it makes a lot more sense there to shoot first. But typically, what you want to do is, you know, move the puck around uh, near the top of the power play, and then look for like a cross ice opportunity to get in closer. And they seem to kind of he seems to kind of be settling a little bit uh, on the power play, and that would 
explain, as you mentioned, why he only has one high danger chance out of his, I think it was 51 shots. So when like 2% of your chances with the man advantage are, are you know, only 2% of your chances are those highest quality, uh, you know, chances, I think it's time to rethink your process there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> are you trying to say that yelling shoot from the, the top section isn't going to fix it? Uh, because I'm hearing a lot of analytics and I, I hear a lot of just yelling shoot and normally it's what fixes it. But uh, another another thing about this article that was so great was looking at other teams that have had a lot of success on the power play, looking at their heat maps. So if you've never read a heat map before and you look at this article, it might be a little confusing, but take your time with it. Uh, a team like Winnipeg has way, way more um, shots getting on net from the center slot. So what do you think Winnipeg and a team like Toronto does so well? I mean, obviously they have some skilled guys on there that Shifley and Wheeler for one and Tavares Matthews for the other that can really help do that. But how can the Sabres get more towards the front of the net and get better chances with all of their players? Well, I think it's, uh, and well, to, <clears throat> to quickly go back to when you're saying, should we not yell shoot? I think they should yell pass. So if, I mean, if you, if you hold it, if you're, if you hear a, an entire arena yelling pass instead of shoot, I think that would be pretty amusing. Um, but, uh, but so what can they do to create some of these better chances? I mean, some of the highest quality chances the Sabres have created is typically when Eichel will pass it down to like a Reinhardt, um, you know, who typically plays that net front or low player option, uh, you know, you can go down to him and then into the slot, whether, you know, it's a Sherry or Skinner or Pominville or whoever happens to be there. Um, that's typically, I think, the the best option they should work towards. And a lot of times it might take a couple sequences to set that up. Like if you notice, like if you have, you know, between Darlene and Aristoline and whoever's on, the, whoever's at the point, will pass to Eichel, down to Reinhardt and then back a couple times like that whole sequence, you know, should be to set up that one play inside and you can get, um, you know, opportunities, you know, when the penalty kill might get a little aggressive because all it takes is one quick moment and then someone's open and free and you can either pass to the player in the slot or they can pass to the other wing player who has come down at that point, you know, whether that's like Poso or Middlestat. Um, I think they should, you know, try to do more of that. And again, this goes back to, you know, players being patient or, or you know, their choice of shot selection. Um, <clears throat> I also think that, you know, teams in general should should uh, be a little bit more aggressive in how they attack teams on the power play. And that's from behind the net, either having one or two players down there uh, just opens up a lot more options, a lot more passing lanes. Um, the one other option they can have is you, uh, you know, you mentioned Toronto, you mentioned Winnipeg. Um, you know, both have skilled shooters. You know, you have Austin Matthews, who they love to get, you know, open open for looks. You have, you know, Patrick Lyonet with his with his incredible uh, shooting talent up in Winnipeg. But they don't depend on that kind of one player. Like if you look at Washington or even like Tampa Bay, they don't depend on those players exclusively. And so when you have more than one shooting option like that, then it just it puts a lot more stress on the defense on the penalty killing. And I think that is uh, the best way forward for this team. Yeah, and and they honestly might have read your article early because uh, against Toronto, Tage Thompson was out there. Um, do you think that could be a, a bit of a solution? I mean, I know against Toronto we had, I don't even think it was a full two minutes total on two or three calls. I know it, you know, it's kind of super small sample size. I think we have one shot get through on net in our in the entire game on the power play. It was from the point, Ristolainen. So you think a guy like Tage Thompson added in there um, is, is going to maybe be helpful? or And do you think that take a little bit of the pressure off Eichel to have to shoot as much as he has? 
Uh, well, the, the thing it comes down to uh, again, and if 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 you know Payne and Housley, if they want to run this type of setup, whether it's a, an umbrella or or one three one, uh, you know, you're going to have Eichel on the left side with his right shot. So really, what you want to kind of maximize the potential threat on your power play is you want someone capable of you know one timing a really strong left handed shot across from him. And the Sabers really have don't really have that. I mean, you have. You know, you have Thompson, who, who has a really good shot, but again, he's right-handed, so he might be a good option there on the second unit. Um, but typically in their first unit, you'll either have Middlestat or Akposo on the other side opposite Eichel. And, you know, while Middlestat's a left-handed shot, you know, he hasn't really flashed, uh, you know, big one-timer ability or big shot ability. He's much more of a, you know, creator, you know, wants to stick handle, create plays, and then kind of maybe taking close for a wrist shot. And so... Um, you know, I talk about this in the article. I think if they're going to adhere to this structure, I think it's it's incumbent on them to to find uh, another really good shot on the opposite side of them. Um, you know, if they aren't going to be more patient, more creative with their buildup, if they're going to look for these one time opportunities, then I think that's kind of uh, the best option forward for them. Yeah, I, I definitely love all that you said. I know it, it's t- it's tough to watch the Sabres power play the way it's been as of late. And, you know, when they're losing, it's a lot harder to overlook. When they're winning, you know, nah, it's, it's okay that what happens. And, I mean, we didn't even touch on the zone entries, um, which I know has also been frustrating. So I'll just give you a quick quick second here. I don't want to, you know, take up too much of your time on this. But just anything about the zone entries really quick before we move on. Um, well, well, before – and I'll just that uh, quickly in just a second. But it is important to – to know that, I mean, the Sabres do have a good power play. Uh, you know, if you look at, you know, whether it's just raw shot volume, whether it's high danger chances, whether it's expected goals, uh, you know, they they do have a good power play. It's just, you know, with a team that isn't great five on five this season, uh, you know, they've been better in recent seasons, but it's kind of coming down a little bit. Um you know, so they might their peak might be kind of an average team from that perspective. Then, if you're that's what you are, then you need to squeeze every ounce of value you can from your power play. And when there's you know kind of rather obvious uh, warts on it, um, you know, then coaches because this is a very co- you know heavily influenced by coaching and strategy area of the game, then it should constantly be reworked and retooled. And uh, so when there's obvious you know uh, I don't want to say like glaring errors, but just areas you could improve, um, they should always be working towards improving that, which brings us right into the zone entries because, uh, you know, I, I know, I think it was the Nashville game the other night where they just like none of the drop passes were working. And and that, that drop pass just kind of seems to be a, a trigger for a lot of fans in general um, because it's when it doesn't work, you know, it's just, it's ugly and it's obvious that it's not working. And so I think they could be a little bit more creative and, and uh, uh, varied in their approaches on their entries. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, the drop pass can be effective depending on the four check that's facing. So, uh, I'm not going to really kill them for that, but I just think a little bit more, you know, a little bit more very variety, uh, in their entries would be effective. Yeah. I think they just spent 29 games setting up to have Eichel as the pass guy. I think that's, that's what we've learned here. No, it's really, I mean, the power play, it's so interesting to dive into a power play. We have enough of a sample size now, like, like we're saying here, like to just really see what they might be trying to do. And now hopefully they can adjust. They can use a couple different looks to uh, get it back going again. And hopefully against Philadelphia, we can just uh, dominate in that metric. But moving on to the whole kind of offense in general, uh, the Sabres this year, I think one thing that's been very noticeable is how they've really pushed their defensemen up into the play right off getting into the zone. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure you wrote about kind of this in general 
general. I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, but they, I mean, it almost is like they're using four forwards at times, especially with Darlene. He seems to rush the net a lot. What are your thoughts on that? Um, do you think getting the defenseman in play has been, I mean, it, obviously it's been successful, but do you think that the Sabres going forward could look to really improve on that with uh, the rise of guys like Lawrence Pilot, potentially Brandon Gooley, who some fans are starting to want question, but those guys are clearly excellent skaters, great shots. Do you think they could move forward with that and, and really start to change the way they've played for over the past many years? And they already have. Uh, I think definitely with Pilot and Darlene, you definitely could. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, every shift Darlene's out there, it, it, it's apparent that, you know, he's looking to get involved. He's looking to activate off the blue line. And you see the the problems it poses to, to the opposition, um, just in coverage assignments. And, you know, if, you know, he, you know, goes down the middle or goes down the wall, it creates, you know, puts questions to the fence. And whenever you can do that, then you're in an advantageous position. And, you know, so I think definitely with with Darlene, we've already seen it. I think with Pilot, um, and I don't want to generalize, but I think a lot of European, uh, specifically Swedish defensemen who grew up, you know, being exposed to uh, what's called the torpedo system overseas, uh, you know, which involves a four kind of forward one defenseman makeup, um, you know, I think that they are more inclined to to play that way. And so I think the two of them absolutely could. Um, as far as the rest of the blue line, probably, you know, some big question marks. Uh, you don't want Bogosian doing that. Uh, I don't know if you really want Ristolainen doing that. Um, but it might be a way to kind of maximize how the team plays. And so that's a type of player they can look for going forward. So I think that there are certainly two pieces that could play like that. But, uh, you know, if you're going to, you know, that kind of philosophy, I think that takes time to, uh, you know, develop because you need the personnel to fit that. Um, You know, Housley had a lot of really great uh, defensemen in Nashville. And, you know, so he's got one in Darlene for sure. Uh, Hopefully Pilot, you know, can be a steady transition player. Um, you know, I talked to uh, Swedish analyst uh, Petter Cambro um, over the summer on the podcast, and he had a lot of data on pilots and was just exceptional in the transition game. And so I think his his skill, his skating, his speed uh, will definitely have an impact going forward on the team. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just already the number one guy in fans' minds right now as far as like that next wave of defensemen. So huge fan of Pilot, really happy with what he's done. Hopefully he can just continue to play uh, because he actually got, he's been getting so much more run as he's progressed um, with the Sabres. So that kind of pushes the next sort of thing I wanted to talk about, about Phil Housley in general. I know last oh, actually, season... Before we get into that, you mentioned Gooley. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone should be concerned. I think he's just kind of a victim of the numbers game right now. And the Sabres seem hesitant to to waive anybody, take a chance on losing someone. I mean, I think that they should be exploring trade options to kind of clear out some of these guys to make way for these younger players. Um, I mean, Gooley looked really good by a lot of metrics when he played, was it like 20, 25 games last season, I want to say. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'm very eager. I think that they should at least, I mean, we're, what, 29, 30 games into the season right now, they should get him up here sooner rather than later because you want to see what you have. I mean, if, if Pilot, you know, establishes himself as a consistent player this season um, and Gooley can come up and do something similar, well, then that changes your whole outlook in the offseason, right? I mean, because now you're thinking, okay, we have Darlene, we have Pilot, we have Gooley, you know, Ristolainen's going to be here. Um, so that's four right there. And then the start of this season, I mean, you were concerned about everybody for the most part. Um, except for Darlene. But, you know, so I, th- I think it's important that they get him up here and give him an extended look with Pilot. Um, 
to find out what they have in that. So I wouldn't write him off yet or be concerned. He's not up here. I think it's a lot just kind of numbers game. So, but anyways, go ahead. Well, you mentioned trading, so I, I might just touch on that. Um, without going crazy, I don't, I, I don't, I really don't want to like. A lot of times, I'll mention a guy, and people will be like, "Well, what about cap implications?" So let's just take those out of the equation. Let's just say that it all works out. Is there one guy in the league that is kind of on the block? I mean, the one guy that comes to mind for me is definitely Brandon Montour, who was mentioned in a maybe sort of a context of being available. But is there anyone that you think the Sabers might be targeting at all? Not, I mean, obviously not like insider sources and anything like that. But is there one guy that maybe your metrics point to as a guy uh, that the Sabers maybe might want to look into? If you don't want to go crazy into that, that's okay. But I just didn't know if you had anyone in mind. Uh, I mean, no one that I that I'm aware of or think they might be targeting. I have no idea. But uh, I mean, yeah, Montour. You know, he's he's an interesting uh, defenseman. I think he's got a pretty low decent contract, and um, you know, I'm actually you know, was kind of brainstorming an idea for a possible anticipation of the trade deadline article uh, regarding a player that I'm not going to name now because I don't want to incite lots of angry folks on Twitter, but we'll revisit it later. But um, I just have kind of started doing some research on possible trade targets. So I'm going to have to politely take a pass on this, but we'll revisit it later, I promise. All right, looking forward to reading that. Um, I mean, I'll just throw a couple names out there for fans that are disappointed and and not getting some juicy, random, (laughs) completely made-up trades. Uh, I think, in my opinion, one guy that I really want to buy low on is Tyler Toffoli. If possible, I don't know what his value is. I really don't even know how available he is, but he just feels like someone. Obviously, Patrick Kane is just on people's minds, and there's really no good reason. So I really don't want to touch on that much. I know I mentioned it. I was really just kind of joking around on Twitter, and people got so angry, and one Chicago fan was like, "We we need Darlene back, and I'm like, well take a hike um but definitely something to keep an eye on i think brandon montour will be a home run i've been a fanboy of his since kind of day one so we can push that back subscribe to the athletic right now and then just keep you know an alerts on your phone and then you'll just find out all the information later and it'll be way better than mine um so what i was gonna get to next is i know last season i mean personally had a problem with this myself phil housley kind of his deployment deployment of players. I mean, there was a time where Jordan Nolan was on a line with Eichel. I mean, just time after time, I would watch players go on the ice and just anchor, be an anchor to some of the, the better players on the team. And, you know, the team struggled immensely throughout the season. So it was really easy to point fingers. But this year, I mean, the team is winning. Phil Housley is, is looking great. But how do you feel overall about how he deploys his players? Because there definitely have been times where guys have not gotten the minutes that maybe people would have, would have liked. And there's also times where uh, I don't know if there's really any player on the team right now that I have a huge, strong, I don't want them to play vibe. So what are your, what are your thoughts on Housley? Uh, well, the, the top line, the Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt line, um, you know, shouldn't be together. Um, you know, I know during the 10 game win streak and, you know, the riding, the percentages of a lot of things like coaches are, you know, unlikely to, to break up lines uh, in the middle of a streak like that. But I think you always have to come back to to your process and the overall picture for the team. Um, that line, while tremendous, uh, you know, has a significant negative effect on the second and third lines. Uh, you know, he, he's basically figured out this fourth line, you know, play a lot of defensive zone starts, try to play some matchups and eat some tough minutes with Berglund, Larson and Gergensen, which which is fine. Um you know, it's good to kind of have a line that embraces that uh, identity and that role because it generally gives more freedom to to your your the rest of your lines. But after the first line and the fourth line, the same, and they've kind of run into this problem for most of the season uh, is they really kind of are still kind of just shuffling things around with their second and third lines. And, you know, I think it comes back to, you know, you're loading up your top line and you don't necessarily have an, an anchor to to support a line. 
um, that can that can create some additional scoring, create some additional uh, t- territorial possession for for the team when the first line's not out there. So, how do I feel about his deployment in lines? I think that um, you know I'm not really gonna I'm not gonna ding him too much for for not wanting to break things up during a 10 game win streak, but you know I think when when people don't really touch the lines during a win streak, I think it's uh, you know, a little irresponsible. I mean, I think you need to have, you know, your finger on the pulse of the team and what is best from what gives you the overall best chance to win every night, not just these guys are riding hot because the other guys might be getting buried from a shot perspective. Right. So um, I would like them to see, uh, you know, dropping Reinhardt down when, when Palmville comes back, put Palmville back on that line. Uh, I would like to see Reinhardt, um, you know, the, the second line they have with Sherry, Middlestat, Poso has been all right. You know, I think they played about 100 minutes together so far, and they're above 50%, you know, shot uh, Corsi. And uh, so I'd like to see, you know, see what they can do uh, or keep doing. But I think Evan Rodriguez is a player that uh, is just kind of begging for better line mates. Um, you know, he's kind of been the seventh forward, you know, the odd player out of the top two lines for most of the season. And I think with Pomville and Pomville comes back, I think you put him on the top line, and I think Reinhardt then comes down, player pair him with Rodriguez, and that gives you two-thirds of, I think, a better line to help balance out the team, provide some depth. Yeah, I definitely like that a lot. <clears throat> I mean, one I mean, one thing that could also be bounced around is calling up Alex Nylander. Um, I, it'd be kind of tough to get too much. I think he has to stop playing the NHL games to really give much of uh, what he's going to be in the NHL. Um, but that that's one guy that could maybe consider calling up. Uh, but what about any of the bottom guys that you just maybe either A, don't really see the value in starting as much, or B, the bottom guy that maybe is a little bit more interesting to you? Uh, essentially, Larson and Gergensen, Sabotka, Berglund, uh, have any of them kind of come to your attention in either a positive or negative light? Uh, I mean, Zaboka, I mean, I wasn't really excited about him coming over in the Ryan O'Reilly deal. And, I mean, he's he's been really bad. Uh, I think when I last looked, his his uh, he was only like controlling about forty percent of the shots when he's on the ice, which is incredibly, incredibly terrible. Um, <clears throat> Tage Thompson was right there with him. Um, you know, I know you know Thompson has scored a couple goals, and you know he he's big and he's got a hard shot, so people tend to to forgive a lot of things. But I think both of those guys, um, you know, Saboka is someone that they should look to try to move or waive or get his contract off the books. It's not a good deal at all. Um, you know, he's a player that's kind of standing in the way, like to your point that you just mentioned of getting ice time, NHL ice time for players like Nylander, you know, bring up Victor Olofsson, see what he can do. Um, you, you know, we know what Sabaka is, uh, Thompson, you know, has gotten a fair amount of games right now. I think you send him to the AHL to, to maybe work on his overall game, um, because it's not really translating well right now. And I think that opens the doors to, you know, bringing someone else up who has had a good start to the season, uh, whether it's CJ Smith, whether it's Nylander, whether it's Olofsson, um, they have a lot, a lot of options there, um, you know, in that third line spot to, to kind of audition for, uh, you know, for, for more minutes. Uh, and also again, to figure out what they have going forward. I mean, that's what the important, I know, I know everyone's talking about playoffs right now, but this season, you know, the Sabres cannot be lulled into a sense of ahead of where they are in their rebuild, right? So they need to continue showcasing, continue evaluating what they have at the NHL level through a lot of these guys. And they're almost, you know, 30 games in the season. And, and okay, we know about Darlene, right? Middle stat's been okay. Um, now let's see what else we have. You know, Thompson hasn't been great, but 
let's get a couple other players up here. Let's see what else we have. So that way, come the offseason, we are much more uh, sophisticated in our evaluation of the roster. Yeah, I know. I mean, coming down the road more, we're going to have the expansion draft. There's a lot of guys to consider. We could dive into so many different prospects and try to play that game. But looking at a guy in his draft year, well, draft plus one year, is just really not going to get it done. So we'll, we'll ignore diving too deep into the future. Although I definitely would love to pick your brain on that more later. Um, but right now, is there one thing you mentioned so many, one thing that if you were the coach, you were Phil Housley right now, did you just absolutely put into play? It, I mean, it's a system type thing. It could be how they forecheck, how they backcheck. Uh, I mean, I know you, you mentioned that you might get into the penalty kill. So is there one thing that you would just really love to see from the Sabres? Uh, I'd run the power play from behind the net. It's uh, something I, I've written about. It. It's something I did. Uh, coaching uh, last season, and uh, I think it's, um, you know, would be the way to go with all the skill that there is in the NHL, uh, and I think that it would be would be incredibly effective. Um, you know, it's so that that's the first thing I would do. So yeah, I think the uh, you know running the the power play, you know, behind the net, I think presents a lot of you know different looks, uh, a lot of new new threatening opportunities uh, to score, and I think it. Um, would be a way to you know take what is a, a good power play into the very elite power plays. Um, uh, so that's that's the first thing I would do. Uh, you know, absolutely day one. Yeah, I mean, there's honestly there's so many things that anyone could say, but that's definitely one that's really interesting to me. I, I'm I was excited to see how this team goes forward in, in general. We're 29 games in. It's been fantastic, but I definitely don't want to get complacent. I definitely don't want to look at this and just say, well, you know what. You know, maybe we're not at Tampa Bay's level because why not get there? You know, we have a lot of players on contracts that are very favorable right now. I mean, Middleton has been fantastic, but Darlene on a rookie deal for how long we have him. Like, we have to take advantage of this. So definitely looking for this team to take a shot at this year. And I know it's probably not anyone's pick to, to take that shot. But with these many contracts, we have to go for it. So if there's a guy or a, a system that might work, or a player in the minors that you think, ah, we don't want to wave this guy. You got you got to find a way if you're Botterill. And I mean, no knock on him. He's been fantastic. But I totally agree with all these points. It's it. Do you agree with that though? That it's a year to go for it, or I mean, are you thinking a little bit more long term? Well, no. I mean, I think that they have to. Uh, you know, they have to be patient. I mean, again, you like, think of Darlene on an entry level deal. I mean, most other players have a deal. Uh, you know, Middlestats on an entry level deal. Um, <clears throat> You know, most of these other guys have, uh, you know, contracts that they're on. You know, you're going to have to redo Reinhardt's again uh, coming up, you know, another year or two. But, uh, you know, it's it, it depends, I guess, what you mean by, you know, go for it. If they can make a move to add a young player that they think, you know, would be part of, you know, their future here going forward, then I think that's an okay move to make. But, you know, adding a player on an expiring deal, kind of like, you don't want you don't want to make moves like the Devils did last year. Like the Devils were finally you know, riding the, you know, Hall and Heischer line, um, you know, were in a position to make the playoffs. And so they trade away a couple picks and a couple prospects for, you know, Patrick Maroon and Michael Grabner. And, you know, they did all made all these moves to lose in five games to Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, you know, you have to be honest about where you're at. And, you know, the Sabres are not at Tampa Bay's level. Um, you know, they don't have the firepower of the Leafs, but the Leafs aren't as dangerous as Tampa. Although with Nylander back, you know, that's certainly something to revisit. Um, you got to figure, you know, Boston will, will turn it around a little bit here as they, you know, if they get guys healthy. Um, <clears throat> but even Florida, you know, Florida is a team that, you know, has had a rough start to the year, but they have much more talent on their team than the Sabres. So you have to be patient 
um, in, in honest about where, where you're at. So, so no, I wouldn't advocate going for it um, or anything like that this season. I think you take another year to build and acquire pieces for the future that makes sense. And then next season kind of see where you're at, um, you know, because things could get better in a hurry. Like if your top four again includes next season, it includes Gurley and Gooley and Pilot and Darlene and Risto. It's a hell of a lot different from the beginning of this season. So, you know, if they, they come in and do well, then you know, now we're looking at different things, entertaining other ideas. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot to this team that to get excited about. I think just overall, and I do agree. I mean, it, it's going to be really tough to go for it this year unless if you just can get, I mean, obviously the name Patrick Kane, but there's just really cap-wise makes very little sense of how they could possibly pull that off. But and you, that guy just doesn't really become available. So definitely would be tough. It, Yeah, I have some hope. We did beat Tampa once We but without Vasilevsky. It, it, injuries are going to be injuries. So I agree. It's going to be a tough road ahead this year, but I'm enjoying every moment of it. So is there anything else you want to kind of impart on anyone listening right now as far as, I mean, maybe you can give some just background on yourself and just how you got into hockey writing and just kind of give anyone any information as we kind of transition to the end of this show. Is there anything you want to just say to anyone listening that might want to get into the analytics community as interest in that um, just in general? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're interested in getting in it, then I would just, you know, you want to start by just reading everything that's out there um, and picking something that interests you and, and, you know, kind of diving into it. Um, You know, I started just because I had questions on, you know, how to evaluate players and teams through passing and, and how they move the puck. And so I, you know, kept looking and looking and looking and looking and there was nothing out there on it and the data wasn't out there. So I decided I'm just going to, you know, uh, this was years ago when I, you know, was watching every Devils game because uh, I grew up a Devils fan and um, I'm just going to, you know, start recording some data while I watch the game and then start analyzing. And so that's kind of how it started. I think, you know, people get into this because they have questions and they want answers and um, they either want to prove something right or prove something wrong. Uh, I know, you know, Micah McCurdy uh, is a good friend of mine. He uh, got into this because he disagreed with a lot of, you know, play-by-play and color commentary uh, guys and, you know, thought they were wrong and wanted to prove them wrong. And so I, I think, you know, if you want to get into it, then you just do it and you just, you got to be passionate about it and you got to find something that uh, uh, you want answers to. Yeah, no, I know. I talked to Micah. Um, I have an article up on the Charging Buffalo with him and yeah, he was very much, that's exactly what he talked about, you know, wanting to get into it for that reason. You know, and Ottawa Senators fans started saying, hey, can we learn more about this? We'd love to hear more about these guys. And then other fans from other teams, and now HockeyViz has grown into what it is. I'm sure you've, well, I know you've been on it a ton because your articles do include some of those graphics. And under, once you start understanding the graphics and getting a good hold of it, I mean, I'm definitely nowhere near your level or Micah's level. I'm definitely just young to the game and trying to trying to learn it on my, you know, by you know, what have you. And it definitely great words of wisdom there. Um, so before you go, uh, I'm sure you have some athletic, you know, discounts to give. I mean, if someone's not into the athletic, maybe just a quick elevator pitch if you or Yeah, that's what the word is. Yeah, elevator pitch. Uh, and then just, you know, to give them like 130% off or whatever the deal is right now on the athletic. It's it's always, always my favorite. Because when I bought it, I got it. I, I did like the, the Sabres come out. Uh, but, I mean, Buffalo sports, the free T-shirt, all that stuff. And then mm. a month later, it's like, wait, 60% off. And I'm like, man, you never know when to buy. So what yeah, can you tell fans about the athletic <laughs> that haven't got bought yeah. in yet? The, there really isn't any bad time to buy because there's always, you know, deals going on. I think I think I just tweeted one out just yesterday. Um, so if you just, like, go to my Twitter, like, for the last, you know, day or two, there's, there's, something, there's some 40% off deal now, like, free trial if you haven't signed up. Um, I mean, you just – you get – 
you know, you get awesome stuff. You get really in-depth coverage of the team. Uh, you know, Sabres, Bills, if you're, you know, both, if everyone here is from Buffalo and follow both the Bills and Sabres, but you also get access to everything else on the site. So, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, a Packers fan and, uh, you know, a, a Liverpool fan. And so there's, there's NFL, there's, there's soccer, there's, you know, basketball, there's, you know, college sports. You get, you don't have to pay for every one of those. You just pay access to the site. And so uh, it's, it's tremendous. There, there's a lot of covers. There's always new content coming out. Um, you know, I try to do like one or two things a week, uh, you know, but Joe and, and John have, you know, covered, have you covered every single day, um, you know, on the Sabres and it's, it's, it's great. I mean, you don't find uh, a lot of stuff. You won't find a lot of analysis like this at a lot of other, you know, Sabres outlets. So. Except for the charging Buffalo. No, I'm just kidding. There, um, you, go. there you go. There you go. Um, so yeah, definitely follow It's at RK underscore Stimp, right? Yep. On Twitter. Follow that right now. Don't even finish this pull over if you're in the car. Go follow that. And while you're doing that, you're already pulled over. Go to your iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. Is it pretty much everywhere in uh, your podcast? I think so. Okay. I'm yeah, sure it's I think, everywhere. I think it's iTunes um, and a couple others. I can't remember. If it's not if it's not on your podcast service, you can, I'm sure, reach out to one of us. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out. Um, Saber Metrics. There's a beautiful image of a buffalo, kind of a nerdy-looking buffalo with his glasses on. Uh, you're going to follow right the last one, right after this one, of course. And then you're going to fall in love. Definitely everything that you write has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, huge, huge honor. Um, we always love having other guys in the media. I love, you know, letting other people know about your work. That's helped me so much learn more about the Sabres and hopefully help other fans see maybe a different angle that they haven't already seen. If you're not into analytics, just give it, give, maybe give it a try. You know, if you think that's not for you, I don't know, give it, give it a read. What's the worst that could happen? Um, don't be like the new defensive coach for the Philadelphia Flyers who thinks it's all in his eyes, his analytics. Go out and maybe maybe actually dive in a little bit. And you'll see – I think my favorite thing before we close is you see it in the analytics, and then you watch the game, and you see it on the ice. It's like exactly what was there. It's like, wait, this is just always available. And then you can see how they change it, and then you can kind of look at it later, and it's almost like re-watching it through analytics. Um, so thank you so much again for coming on. Follow all that stuff. Um, is there anything else you want to say before we close? No, just thank you for the time. I appreciate it. You guys do a good job yourselves. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again in the future. All right. Uh, so that's it for the Charging Buffalo podcast. My first time doing it. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful wherever you're doing right now. And go Sabres.